So, Chris, hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, very good, very good. And I, I know we did a little bit of a weird thing this week. Um, we recorded two separate episodes talking about um, the, the, the fourth and fifth episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we decided, or we were maybe semi-forced into um, making them or stitching them together as one episode for release. Yeah, you know, you, we have the plan of doing it every week shortly after the, we record the episode, which is recorded short, shortly after uh, the Obi-Wan episode drops. But sometimes, you know, real life things happen. And so we decided maybe it's best if we just put both of them back to back into one big podcast episode. So listener, get get excited and enjoy. You get two for one. All right, so we've watched the fourth episode of Obi-Wan. I mean, obviously, I mean, I watched it like as soon as I could possibly yes. watch it. So, I mean, it's already almost a week out, which is crazy to think that we only have to wait a couple more days for the next Obi-Wan episode. Mm-hmm. But how you feeling, Chris? I still feel good. I think this is the, the episode I like the least so far, but that's okay. You know, they can't all be bangers. Um, and I still think that this is a very good episode all in all. Um, but of course, yeah, you know, as you said, this is the fourth episode out of six. So there are like next week is going or like, I guess this week is going to be the penultimate episode already, which is just weird to think about, but yeah, I don't know. I still feel good about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you feel? I have a crazy short-term memory loss so when the the series released was it just the first episode were there two there were two yeah okay so i'm I'm remembering that right i don't understand how after for like such a short mini series there's only six episodes why release the first two simultaneously i mean i i'm sure they had the reason their internal research or whatever whatever i mean and they did work together as a good pair but it just does seem that this is going by way too quickly Mm. Especially because this episode is quite short as well. Yeah, this episode's quite short, not really consequential to the plot, basically just an homage to A New Hope. But it is, I mean, it's fun. I like this episode. I have no real problems. I mean, I've heard a lot of criticism for this episode about why this, this is the reasons why the show is bad. I know nothing about this. Please tell me more. No, it's just, it is quite um like a, a negative response to this episode especially oh. in comparison to the first three which it makes sense it, it makes sense it is a drop off in quality from the first three mm-hmm. it doesn't have as much individual character development across the board and there are some of those concerns or some concerns that i also have um with regards to this specific episode but i find the extrapolation of it towards the larger conversation of the quality of the show a little bit interesting every mm-hmm. show has to drag somewhere in the middle not it has to but every drag every show tends to drag somewhere in the middle every movie tends to drag somewhere in the middle yeah. where you <laughs> just have to is, imp- is difficult exactly especially you know it's just really about moving the pieces into the into place and it's a little bit clunky when you do it because all this episode is is them moving pieces into place we can see the direction that they're trying to go to and us kind of getting in the into that position 
is going to be was a little bit awkward yes is always is it going to be inevitably awkward i guess but i you know there are pieces in this episode that i find interesting to watch interesting enough and i personally and i guess emotionally like the homage to a new hope which is fine it's okay yeah absolutely i think I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> as always, I know nothing about what people have said about this episode. So, you know, I, I just found it a little bit like, you know, there. I thought that there were some pacing issues. Maybe we should not get into this right now. But yeah, yeah there are like a few things that I'm going to get into later, I guess. Um, yeah. But tell us like, a, you know, short for those of us who have short term memory loss, can you remind us what this episode was about? Yeah, it's actually for myself as well, because I don't remember what happened. In this episode. <laughs> so uh, in part four of Obi-Wan, um, directed by Deborah Chow, written by Joby Harold and Hannah Friedman, um, it begins as having escaped Vader, Kenobi and Tala infiltrate the Inquisitor's stronghold on ocean moon of Nur in the Mustafar system to rescue Leia. Now being interrogated by Riva for details of the path. During the infiltration, Kenobi discovers a trophy vault filled with the preserved corpses of Jedi who have been captured and killed, including a youngling and including Master Terra Sanube, which is a great... I love that reference, honestly. Um, yes? No? You don't remember him? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Th- okay, sorry. <laughs> cool. Uh, you're just being silent just as I do this thing. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> I, I, I recognize and appreciate your silence. While they are successful in freeing Leia, Tala's cover is blown and their pre- presence is revealed. They eventually escape with the help of Path Commander Roken and his guerrilla troops. Vader is furious over the course of events and threatens to kill Riva, but spares her when she reveals that in anticipation of a rescue, she had attached a tracker to Leia's droid companion, Lola. Honestly, like, saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. As soon as she starts playing with Lola, I'm just like, ah, I get it. I know what's happening. And it here. was just so, so, like, it didn't have to happen. Like, there was no real reason why that droid was shown like at all throughout this this episode, except for the fact that that's where the tracker is going to be. Yeah, um, but that's okay. But yes, uh, <laughs> to to now fill my previous silence, I love that not to Terra Sanuba, who we've already seen in the Clone Wars with Ahsoka, uh, which was great, which was a great episode. And um, yeah, I, I I love that. The whole like storing the corpses of dead Jedi is like, what the fuck are you doing here? Is this like, has that has that something to do with uh, the Grogu experiments? I believe or, it does. So yeah. I believe that this is all not only just a tomb per se. Also, like these Inquisitors are quite evil. So I mean, mm. just hanging dead bodies wouldn't be the the most surprising thing in the world. But you no, know, it's not. It's not my taste. But you know, interior design tastes can differ, and you know, it's fine. Some people like modern art. Some people like dead bodies. Exactly. So, (laughs) 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 Um, yeah. So my question about my question about the Jedi that are hanging in the walls are these specifically people who who had survived Order sixty six and then were hunted down by the Inquisitors, or was are they? 
people who are just like randomly they also could have died in order 66 or whatever so that's a good interesting question that i have and i don't know if you if there's any clarity on that do you know i don't know but i i think that thinking of this room as like the trophy room i.e the ones that the inquisitors have killed since the empire has uh arisen makes more like makes a lot of sense to me that makes sense to me as well and that would be my first guess but my only caveat to that or question is that the jedi youngling that they show is still wearing the jedi youngling outfit as if they were still in class and i don't know if that's something uh, that that just like threw me off a little bit and if that's also the case, the fact that Terra Sunube survived Order 66 makes me really happy. And I want to see how, <laughs> because the yeah. slowest old man out there still survived Order 66. But the wisdom of old age, you know, maybe maybe he was just like, you know, maybe that maybe that's what saved him for a while. I think maybe the, the helmet thing was just like a visual signifier that, you know, this is a youngling. It's not just like a child, but it's an actual like force sensitive child. A youngling that was in training to become a Jedi. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's more. That was my head canon anyway. So they found this child after Order sixty six, murdered the child, and then added, and then found the Jedi youngling clothing from the Jedi Temple, and then dressed the child in this garb so that they could show that, so they could hang the child on the wall. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just like I want to know who's doing this, you know. As ain't third sister, maybe his fifth brother. He seems like a beta. He'd do anything for to please anyone. I don't know. <laughs> I like this headcanon of what's going on when the Inquisitors are just like in a room playing checkers or whatever. They're not smart enough to play chess. I don't. I don't think they are. They're really socializing that much. Feels <laughs> like they don't have a good work-life balance. You know what I mean. Oh, well, fair enough. They do seem quite workaholics. I yes. mean, when if you fail, the, you're going to die by yeah. at the hands of Vader. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's a, it's a good motivation for sure. Maybe um, I should consider that if I ever become a boss of anything. <laughs> Just force choke people. I th- I'm sure HR would have something against that. But uh, speaking of Vader, I thought the first scene of this uh, episode was great. Intercutting Obi-Wan and Vader in their respective factor tanks. I thought that was great. Yeah, it's just for further kind of hammering down that the show is about Obi-Wan and Vader and their relationship. I I was curious, though, like, why does Reva take Leia to, like, the Inquisitor planet and not to Vader directly? That kind of didn't make sense to me. Um, well, I mean, the the Inquisitor planet is just the moon of Mustafar, so it's yeah. not like it's far. And, yeah, but like Vader's and, their boss. Like, why would like you don't have your boss come to you? You go to your boss with the with. Fair your, enough. I think. Well, I think it's just because a it's not Obi Wan. B they don't really know how important Leia is, um, and it's just like interrogating any other suspect. They would interrogate them all. There's an interrogation chamber on. Um, I think it's called Fortress Inquisitorius, which is a terrible name. Worst name. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it's Star Wars, so of course there's going to be some bad names. But I think that's why she takes Leia to um, their own fortress or their own temple or whatever you want to call it. Mm. 
because that's that's what they do with Jedi kind of suspected inquisitor um, individuals that they need to interrogate. And because I mean, yeah, if she knew who Leia was, obviously she would take her to Vader. And if she knew, uh, and if it were Obi Obi Wan, well, Vader would already be there. So I think there's a there's a big difference. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what when uh, what I said in like a few minutes ago, um, I thought the pace was very quick, too quick. They are really glancing over a few things, like there are things that they wanted to bring up, but then they just, um, I guess, just like glance over it, like the um, um, the leader that that, that Obi Wan meets, like the turnaround from him to like he doesn't want to help him to you got it was just very quick in like three lines and it's just like there should have been like two pages of dialogue in between um and that was just i don't know that was a little hollow for me also reva i thought her dialogue was not good at all this episode hasn't been too great generally i thought like it's kind of a shame but uh, this episode specifically, I wasn't I wasn't really happy with that. And just yeah, as I said, everything moves too quickly. Um, and yeah, there there were just a few things that were just I felt like were glanced over that could have given more could could have been given more time. Okay, so this episode is good, and as I've mentioned, I enjoyed watching it. But there's a few things that it needed, and. A shout out to O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is the aforementioned uh, rebel commander or whatever you want to call him, path commander, who you mentioned, mm. um, you know, Ice Cube's son. He's badass. Just a <laughs> little shout out to him. Yeah. And I think he needed to kind of cope with it a little bit more, as you said, and debate what participation or not. And then in the end, I think what they needed to do is what they is send more of a strike team with them to Tala in addition to Tala and Obi-Wan and they ended up sending two people at the end but that was you know you know just like last minute savior coming you know Deus Ex Machina you kind of BS but I think what that they needed to do is the the tone that they're trying to set at the very end of the episode was that oh they got out but oh they're sad because their friends died and they only had one guy who got shot down that really we didn't know. He, um, the emotional kind of heft of that really rang hollow, honestly, because we don't know who that person was. We have no connection to them. And, and we literally spent five seconds with them and we're supposed to believe that everyone's sad and we're supposed to be kind of sad, but happy for them entirely. So I think that if they had people coming along the whole episode from the beginning, then they kind of go through the whole process and at the end they die and it's like they lose everyone on the mission except for Tala, Obi-Wan and Leia. That is a very different um, tone. I think they needed to kind of bring more heft to that emotional beat that they were trying to portray, but they kind of fell short on that. Yeah, I think the person who died literally had two or three lines of dialogue before they died, which was definitely not enough. The, The whole enterprise sort of seemed to be on a very very small scale so they are really not it's way smaller than the rebellion uh, or the resistance like any of those two groups um and so so it, it's yeah you know so every person counts i get that but at the same time why would they let tala go because she volunteers and everybody seems to be fine with it and i expected the leader to say like no we need you and then you know 
but but no it's literally tala says okay i'm going gonna come with you and then is literally cut away to to the next scene and i thought i don't know that was just way too quick yeah i mean i didn't have particular issues with that i had more of an issue of what do they do when they're actually there and like how do they i don't know i think yeah seeing the more of the debate would have been interesting at least like putting up a small fight or then relenting and then giving their support entirely i think would have been a much better kind of um trajectory and the second thing that i think that this episode is missing and failed at an opportunity to do is to explore Riva's backstory. Mm-hmm. I think that when you're moving pieces together, that's a really good time when you have people sitting at a table talking. And this is, in this case, it was Riva and Leia sitting at a table talking as, as they're interrogating or as Riva's interrogating her. But I think that these are the moments, the down moments that you're able to really kind of get into a character's motivation, what happened to them, whether they're... St- and then you can really play with that with a character like Riva in, an, in a power dynamic where she can lie. She doesn't have to tell the truth. You don't have to know whether or not what you're learning is true. But I think it's really important to develop the antagonists and their history and their background and their motivations and... While this show has really done a good job of establishing Riva as a motivated, skilled, um, very pe- particular about what she wants. I mean, all she wants is Obi-Wan. It um, it has, I think, to failed at this point to really delve into her background and what and learning about what drives her. And I'm sure they're going to release that in the last couple episodes. But I think that this moment in this, um, with this dynamic between leia and riva i think was the perfect opportunity to try and do that especially with leah's leah wow leah's <laughs> force intuition that we've yeah. kind of they've hinted at and that they, they, she can see more than she lets on and i think that that's another failure of this episode and something that really i mean if you add these two things that we're talking about you have a longer episode that has a more emotional depth and character development alongside the moving moving pieces that we expected and we actually got from this episode. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a shame because so far Riva doesn't have any depth to her, which is unfortunate because I really like the actor who I think does a really great job. Um, but yeah, the dialogue isn't really there. The depth of character isn't there yet. And, and like this, this episode in particular, she is only saying like you know, bland general villain line of dialogue number six. Like that's how it felt. Like a lot of the things that she is are is saying is like are like come are very like commonplace. Sort of that could have been any sort of. Uh, character from any kind of movie almost and that i thought was kind of a shame and as you said yeah there could have been some manipulation some some hinting at things foreshadowing things uh that would have been the perfect opportunity honestly in a in a uh, episode number four of six but uh unfortunately they did not make good use of this opportunity yeah, I mean, we're focusing on the negatives right now because this just it was a fun watch, but there, and there's not really much to talk about the good stuff, even though I think it was cool. I think the action set pieces of this episode are really cool. I thought mm-hmm. Obi-Wan 
I liked his kind of going about going around um infiltrating and doing his old um for wow wow I almost said Force Awakens uh, a New Hope stuff I really like my brain doesn't really work uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah uh, I think you know another to yeah I ha- I have been like I've definitely been more focused on negative things kind of to to also counterbalance all of the things of the last few episodes where you know there wasn't anything so i just wanted to point out some things but there are also great moments like this is also a little column a little column b but the uh, whole confrontation between riva and tala i you know i didn't like that riva immediately sees through her but that you know could be part of her job just like or general (laughs) outlook but i love the double agent card that tala plays and it's very un sure you know whether that's actually going to succeed or not uh so i i really like that um i think it's pretty clear it did not succeed no it definitely did not but that definitely because because riva is so obviously doesn't believe her but but the whole double agent thing for a second at least threw a wrench into this this thing and I, i just thought yeah well played well played you know that is literally the only thing that could sow some seeds of of uh doubt in riva i think um so so that was cool i i'm not sure whether that was supposed to also sow, sow some seeds of doubt in the audience if if it tried to do that then i i felt like that would have what was bad but uh i don't know that i kind of like that that whole uh, interaction um and yeah, just like I like Tala, I like Obi Wan in this episode for sure. Um, his whole exploration of this place—I mean, just Obi Wan sneaking around is great, you know. Just like using force powers to to um, yeah, to 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 just you know get 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 stormtroopers to to usher away and everything. That that was kind of same thing uh, he does in A New Hope. Exactly, exactly. So nice reference. So, so that that well, that was great. Um, Speaking of Tala, I really like her as a, she's a great spy. The way yes. that she confronts people and the way that she kind of, with unabashed confidence, does whatever she wants, and mm-hmm. but still, like as a performer, is able to kind of show that she has a confident moment, and then it's juxtaposed with her just kind of being a little bit scared or sad or just like worried and and just relieved when it goes well. Like mm. this is it's masterclass in acting and maybe that this is just the Tala episode because she's the one who shines through in this episode more than anybody else. Yeah, she gets Obi-Wan in and she gets Obi-Wan out. Which is no small feat. Exactly. So go Tala. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, what do you, th- what do you think is gonna, uh, gonna happen next time? Obviously, you know, we are now in the third act or we're gonna be in the third act. I assume um, the next episode is the penultimate one. What do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on on the upcoming episode? Ooh, I think that we're going to have a big set piece where the Inquisitors and Darth Vader attack the path. And I wonder if this is the episode that we get a cameo of some kind, another Jedi, not a cameo, but like another surprise, like a Jedi like Quinlan Voss shows up or something of that nature. 
And I mean, who is supporting the path? And I think it'd be interesting to see where that's coming from. And I think we're going to end in a bad situation in this next episode. I think that going into the finale, people are going to be battered and torn. And it's going to be, at that point, less reasonable, I guess. There's going to be less of a reason for Lola and Leia to be sticking around. I mean, at this point, they should just drop her off immediately at Alderaan and then just be like, peace, see ya. Mm -hmm. So, like... It's going to be a little bit clunky, I think, in that way. But I think it's pretty clear that we're headed towards a confrontation. And my mind, because of this show has been really moving fast, any other show, I would have said the next episode is going to be relaxed. And and it's going to kind of like end with them showing up. And then the last episode is going to be the confrontation. But I think this episode doesn't really give us... Sorry. this. I think this show doesn't give us much room to breathe so i think it's going to be the next episode we're going to get a lot of conflict they're going to show up it's going to be bloody not bloody but not great and then maybe in the last episode we'll have some sort of redemption or maybe that that's not where this show is headed because this show is not the end of a story it is a through line in a story so it doesn't need to have some sort of ending per se yeah i can i have a feeling that tala is not going to survive that would be an quite the outcome of the next episode that i i think you're right there will will be an attack on the path and that's going to be devastating and i could see tala not making it out of there um that could have quite the emotional impact on obi-wan and leia specifically um and And no way o'shea jackson jr is surviving oh no they're all gonna die like they're all like all of the like less important characters uh, they're all gonna die for sure yeah i mean leia's already lost her trust in the empire because they tried to torture her but i'm sure (laughs) like watching all these people get murdered in front of her is also going to cement the fact that oh empire not so great Mm -hmm. and i really hope that vader and leia don't meet because that would that would kind of i don't think they will yeah i think what might what might happen is that they go to this their path headquarters on Jabim and then immediately from there fly to Alderaan to drop Leia off. But then mm. because they went to Jabim first, they know now where the path is because yeah. it's not going to be an Alderaan. So it's going to be in Jabim. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that. maybe that's what they do. And Leia somehow, maybe they have like a, a calm first half, first act, and then they go in Jabim and then they. F- Luke, what's his name? Obi Wan goes with Leia to fly to Alderaan. Obi Wan flies back, and then Obi Wan's dead. Something like that. Obi Wan's not dead. Not Obi Wan. Not Obi Wan, but everyone else is dead. Oh, I see. Okay. Like he shows up and is like ruined or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would make sense. So yeah, um, I'm I'm curious to see where it's going. It's going to be dropping in a few days already, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. Uh, afterwards so can't wait can't wait so here we are episode five of obi-wan kenobi the disney plus show Ooh, um, there's a lot of things going on here in this episode i don't know exactly where to start because there's a lot of places we could start I just am going to ask you, I guess, Chris, from your initial impressions, try to keep it like, sh- we'll keep it short because we're going to get into it, I'm sure. But 
Um, what do you think of the episode as a whole? I really, really liked it. There were oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> so you don't didn't? Oh, ho, ho, ho. We, <laughs> well, Gary, I'll I'll say my piece. Do you think? Okay. Um, I thought the inter intercutting the present of the show with the past was was a really nice idea. Um, it was interesting seeing Hayden Christensen again. <laughs> uh i'll i'll that, that was that was a thing um i will i will reserve judgment until later but it was it was like surprisingly nice to see him again i don't know why even though he he was also in that in the worst possible stage with that rat tail and everything that was kind of cringy still but i don't know I, all in all i think i liked this episode um it did the like a lot of there wasn't that much going on to to be honest with you, there was more psychologically than like in terms of actual action. I would say that was more more interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I think I was surprisingly uh, in favor of this episode. What about you? Well, I think this episode really confused me. So I listened to I would not listen to it. I watched it and I was very much like, huh what did I just watch? Like, How am I supposed to really feel about this thing? Because I was a little bit confused. And then I really thought more about my impressions of the episode and exactly how I reacted to everything. And I think I would categorize this episode as has a few very high highs, but a lot of low lows that I found annoying. And while I don't think it's the worst episode of the season, um, I think that it's, for me, you can disagree, of course, I think it's the worst directed episode of the season, and I think it scares me the most. And I think it did a lot of damage, per se, in terms of some things. But we oh. can get into some of those things. Um, but I... I the the one one of the things that I did love is the the flashback intertwining that you did mention. Um, yeah. But we'll get into that a little bit before that. Before we kind of talk about our details of the episode, which I think will have been an interesting conversation. I'll, I'll just like go through a very quick um, thingamabob of uh, the 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 summary of the episode, and we'll get into it. So part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi was directed by Deborah Chow and written by Joby Harold and Andrew Stanton. Andrew Stanton, famously writer, a uh, famous Pixar pillar, writer and co-director of Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life, uh, WALL-E, etc., etc. And the episode opens 13 years prior to the events of the series with when Kenobi trains Anakin in lightsaber combat on Coruscant, where he criticizes Anakin for his aggressive actions. In the present, Tracking Kenobi's location to Jabim, Vader promotes Riva to Grand Inquisitor. The Empire arrives to besiege the facility and deactivates the doors for escape. To stall for time, Kenobi negotiates with Riva and deduces that she knows Vader's true identity and she witnessed his massacre at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant as a youngling. She reveals she wanted to gain Vader's favor in order to kill Vader for revenge rather than serve him. The facility is then breached, with Tala sacrificing herself to save Kenobi. Realizing they cannot win, Kenobi surrenders and is taken to Riva. There, he convinces Rita to kill Vader when she delivers him to Kenobi. Meanwhile, Leia opens the doors after removing Lola's tracker, allowing the path to escape 
before Vader besieges the facility. Reva uses this opportunity to attempt to kill Vader, but is quickly overpowered after a brief duel and stabbed. She is left for dead, and the original Grand Inquisitor arrives to reaffirm his status. As the Path Network escapes, Reva finds Bail Organa's message to Kenobi's transmitter, revealing that Luke's location is on Tatooine. I think you're right in the sense that not much does happen in this episode. A lot of it is psychological reveals. It is really just like this one set piece of what's happening on Jabin. But I think one of the problems that, at least for me, that I outlined... Actually, no. Should I start with the positive or should I start with the negative? Let's I don't know start with the negative. Oh, man. We're starting with the negative. But I want to yeah, start That way we don't note. end on the, on the negative note, you know? All right. We'll start on a negative note. That's okay with me. So one of the things that I didn't like about this episode is you can really, in this season or this episode, see that there was like a lack of budget almost or like the the seams of the set become yes. visible. Absolutely. I think the, the battle sequence with the one battalion of stormtroopers and Reva is quite weak. Yeah. I think there's it's there's no like fighters flying in from the top. There's no like cover for when uh, the makes no sense the battle sequence like these rebels come out or the path people come out and they're just standing in the open firing and just like this is supposed to be dramatic but i'm like there's no space really they should be there's no cover like how does this work like the hallway fighting sequences are odd like i liked the fact that they killed off tala i guess but i think that did a disservice because she's the literally the only character, the only new character of the show that we like or have any background with or any connection to. And also it was paced really oddly, her death, like, or her, her death was also placed weird in the sense that like, I don't know. It, it just felt, it, this is going to sound really weird for us talking about a TV show, but it, it felt constructed and it didn't feel natural as, some of the best TV shows do, and especially yeah, everything because... about her death wa- was poorly executed. Exactly, and I was very disappointed with that, honestly. And I think connected to that, another problem that I have with this episode is the pacing was just odd, especially mm-hmm. as the Empire approaches. Normally, you'd have like you know this great Seven Samurai-esque prep sequence where you lock the doors and you kind of plan your defense and you figure out exactly how it's going to go. And they hinted at that. But honestly, they spent more time in the planning sequence focusing on Leia getting a ladder versus <laughs> actually doing anything with preparing for the Empire coming or You'd think that if they're on Jabim, they have some sort of radar detector or something like that. At least show the Empire's Star Destroyer coming in, like, and then, then them figuring it out, not just, you know, Ice Cube's son being like, the Empire has arrived or whatever. And then yeah. just them cutting to some random sequences. But I, I, it felt lacking to me in terms of what is the scope of this battle sequence that we're finding, especially because we're talking about a penultimate episode that is of a show that ha- should have an almost unlimited budget and scale and should live up to the hype of really, really the standard that this own show set to me because the first three episodes of the show were freaking phenomenal. And since then, I mean, episode four is whatever, but this episode kind of, I felt like really 
was the show doing a disservice to us as a, as a, as watchers or viewers of the show in terms of they could have done better with this in terms of what I'm talking about, at least these couple things that I'm talking about. And I was like, mm, a little disappointed with some of these things. Yeah, and I think that is something that I have realized when we were talking about the Boba show, but it is definitely like visible here as well. And it's not something that is particularly wrong with this episode, but it's just a, an overall problem with Star Wars right now because you know, I think but I think this this episode is a good example for it because there are a lot of things in it that are supposed to be emotionally impactful to the audience um that are there are a lot of things that on the on the face of it there should be a lot of tension um but i think it's just like i felt kind of like devoid of uh, emotional investment for the most part Uh, a little bit like almost like that is like i'm drained from that and I'm just wondering because I I agree with you that the scope of this show should be much bigger than it seems to be, and I feel like both me as part of the audience and maybe Disney as a company that owns Star Wars are stretched a little bit too thin because there's just so much Star Wars going on, and of course that's been widely discussed in the last decade with star wars with so many different shows and movies and etc but i can i can see it in this show too the show that i really like especially the first few episodes um yeah there's there's just i don't know a lot of things by the books a lot of things just glanced over hand wavy and it's just like, yeah, I know, I know that you know th- those are all plot points, but you just give it not, you don't give it the attention it deserves. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe it is a budget reason, but then just, I don't know, have a clearer and more realistic view of your budget, so you don't have to glance over a thousand things, but do ten things really well. Yeah, I want to clarify in terms of like considering the scope of this episode or scope of this show i honestly don't mind if this is a very small budget small focused um, series where we don't have to have star every star wars thing have a huge battle sequence or fight or big this let's uh, large galactic stakes maybe you do a little bit with obi-wan but when you consider i would have loved to just see and one of my favorite things of the first few episodes was just focusing on the character and Mm -hmm. developing a very specific small story with just a couple characters here or there like you know people sitting in rooms talking and figuring out themselves would be a wonderful way to explore obi-wan kenobi instead of this thing but they set themselves with the standard of oh we're going to bring in stormtroopers and inquisitors and galactic fighting and all these things and that's where it starts to really just be like um do we need this i think this would be better off in the construction of the series that they've imagined this would be better off as a film but yeah uh, if you're going to make a tv show you need to construct things very differently you can't just imagine yourself making a six-hour movie because 
it's it's really really hard it takes a lot a lot of money just ask hbo when it costs them 20 million dollars to make every single episode of the game of thrones or whatever and still then you're going to fall short so it's something that you really have to consider and i think the directions of the show it, it just it's biting off more than it can chew yeah and this episode made it out of evidence to me yeah, it is definitely true that the bigger the scope of the show became, the worse it got in quality. And that's kind of sad that, I don't know, maybe maybe the creatives like Deborah Chow et cetera, and the writing team, they, maybe they fell, because that's kind of the perennial Star Wars problem, right? You always have to link it back to this bigger thing and it has to be like these things have to happen, but they don't, it doesn't. I mean, I guess it maybe it has to because Disney uh demands it but uh if not i don't see why they would do it and that's kind of a shame because i agree i would have loved this to just be about the characters and not with you know this all of all of these things that we've seen in, in this episode particularly and i don't know i just i just hope they're they're not crashing it against the wall next next episode honestly well, speaking of characters, I think another thing that I really disliked about this episode, or maybe it just brought it to fruition for me, is that I don't really care about any of these side characters. Yeah. You think about some of the better Star Wars stuff, it is an ensemble. There's yes, there's a main character or like a savior or whatever. There's your Luke Skywalker or or Rey or whatever. But you have a characters that you care about on the side. You st- and you associate with them. You have a background and very small screen time sometimes, a la Boba Fett. You can have like, at least in the original movies, I'm saying, is that you can like have a cult following of some of these characters with some of the littlest screen time possible. And when we're when I'm looking at this episode, it's like, I honestly just could care less about anyone in this show other than Obi-Wan and Vader. And I guess that's what the show is supposed to be. It is supposed to be like an Obi-Wan Vader connection show or hatred show or or whatever. And some of that stuff, it does really well. And I think that's where the show is at its best. But I want investment from something. If you're, Especially mm-hmm. if you're going to give us all these characters and kill them off for emotional resonance. Less so the Tala. I think the Tala death was more emotionally... Um, inducing i guess i was kind of neutral about that but i mean this this idea oh we care about wade this guy this emotion this pilot who we never really spent a second with and don't really care about and he's supposed to kind of set this the tone of this episode to start as a very somber tone it just did it fell completely flat to me and then also if you're going to like you know, set up these side characters that oh, this they're going to be parts, key parts of the path. It's just you need to really get us invested or brutally murder them in a way that will connect us to like, oh my god, this 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 is like terrible or something. It's horror in front of us. Like you have to bring us in somehow as an audience to these characters. Um, but I felt that was really lacking in this episode. Yeah, unfortunately, most of the side like the side characters are not well written in that way because uh, you're right to point to other Star, you know, <laughs> other Star Wars characters that have become iconic, uh, you know, w- with just a few lines. But these lines must be on point, and we've we've talked we've talked about it before, especially when it comes to the path. 
all, all of that stuff is just so glanced over all of the dialogue is forgettable there there's really nothing in there so that the audience could grasp onto so unfortunately that's where it really falls flat i mean yeah think about um, cassian andor who just is a character that came up in rogue one he's ostensibly a side character yeah he's a co-lead i guess to the episode to the series but is he's i mean it's so good we're just like, so excited about his show and mm. And it's just these characters that have good performances. And these are all talented actors. We know that. We can see that with their way that they're performing. But I think there is, uh, they're doing a disservice to us as an audience and themselves as a show because they set up an expectation that they just can't meet. Yeah, it really is a shame that actors like O'Shea Jackson Jr. have been so wasted. Sadly. But speaking of wasted characters or <laughs> characters that i guess a better way they should just kind of like put to the side for a second and i found the use of leia in this episode completely odd and extraneous and i really this is the first episode where i'm just like yeah sure leia has to do her thing but i wasn't really a fan of it honestly i i guess the, okay i think is i knew as soon as o'shea jackson jr was like I can't fit in the vents. <laughs> We're just like, oh, yeah. okay. Leia's going Such in the vents. So bad. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think they honestly should have dropped her off at Alderaan first, and then made it to Jabim, and then just be like, all right, Leia's part of the show is done. Like, we don't yeah. need Leia anymore. What's Leia's point? Leia, Leia's purpose of this whole series was to get Obi Wan off of Tatooine, and ever since then, it's just been like, okay, cool. Leia is Leia. She's she's a cool person or whatever. She has confidence, and um, I I just found it quite extraneous, honestly. Yeah, it was. You could definitely see that she had nothing to do in this episode, but the writers definitely wanted her to have something to do, so they they had to <laughs> they had her climb into the ventilation shaft, and it's just like, yeah, I guess. Well, the thing is, that's precious. Why, why I complain about that is that that is precious screen time that you can use to develop other stuff in the episode where you don't need to keep cutting to inside the vents to check in on Leia. Let's see what Leia's doing. It's like, no, we're not interested in this. Like, there's so many other things going on right now. Focus on that, build that stuff up, and you won't be, as I've said, doing a disservice to everyone else in the, everyone else in the episode. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Another we the other problem with having Leia around is that you know nothing terrible is going to happen. Obviously, you know Obi Wan survives because he's alive, but and we know that Leia is going to survive. So the less characters that are around regularly that we know are going to make it past the series, I think it also kind of sets the expectation that oh nothing terrible really is going to happen because we know that both Leia and Obi Wan come out. Because like I'm imagining an alternative universe where. Darth Vader comes into the room and literally massacres every single person in front of Obi-Wan. Mm. And it, there's just like that idea or those expe- those potentials become a lot less possible when you also have, you know, more and more characters who are, you know, uh, who do end up surviving towards the main trilogy. Yeah, the, that is kind of, kind of a <laughs> overarching problem of the show, you know, the problem with a prequel. Um, but... 
Yeah, speaking of prequels, let's maybe talk about some things that we liked. Including... No, I'm still I'm still on my list of things I oh, hate. Oh, you're still on it? Okay, go for I it. I got a lot of lows, man. I said there are, I think there are a few really high highs, but there's a lot of lows for me. Yeah, no wonder that this is going to be the longest Obi-Wan episode because that's the one where we actually have uh, access to grind. Yeah, actually. So, okay, another thing that I didn't like is this, Not it's becoming a classic Star Wars thing, but I don't think it has been in the past is the the having the second transport there that vader doesn't notice oh, yeah. and vader okay vader is definitely on a high high for me like i fucking loved vader in this episode vader's a monster that when he pulls down the mm. transport and literally so rips <laughs> off the doors is insane yeah and fights reva just with force powers oh my god oh my we'll get there shit. we'll get i know there. i know we'll <laughs> but like this annoying i really didn't like the oh there's a second transport there like haha vader never saw it are you kidding me like Vader can sense Obi-Wan from planets away and he's sitting in the same room as Obi-Wan and can't sense that he's on a freaking transport like next to the one that's taking off. It's uh, it's a little frustrating that they do this and they constantly like they're kind of like playing, you know, um, like, I don't know, they're just playing games with you. Ma- magician games they're trying to do It's like, oh, look into this corner. Oh, no, now look here. Like, it, everything's OK. Like, but I think as I guess. I mean, my alternative idea of Vader actually gets to all the people and murders everyone. Like, I I much rather prefer that to this kind of idea of oh, Chewie was just on the other ship that got that didn't get destroyed, and uh, it's. I think it reminds me, that little sequence triggered me <laughs> because it reminded me of of Episode Nine, and Bad I'm just movie. like, no, no, I can't do this. Sorry. Yeah, and the the second transport also took off in like three seconds which is also not how that works exactly like how was this other transport able to get up to speed while this the first one wasn't it's just it's they do this uh, and it's just quite frustrating honestly um but i guess the last couple things that i really didn't like both connect to the inquisitors and Okay, first thing. The Grand Inquisitor twist. That didn't really have to be a twist. Like, what are they doing? Like, mm. I, 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 we all saw it kind of coming. Like, we are asking these questions. Is he dead? Is he alive? We know the Grand Inquisitor is in Rebels, so we know he's alive. And still, with all of that, they kind of played it like it was this huge twist. And they really didn't have to be doing it this way. And I, I found it... I think what they're trying to go for is too much shock and awe and not enough substance and actual storytelling and relationships between characters that fundamentally make sense, I guess, and have um, an arc throughout the show. Instead, what they did is they took a very interesting character, the Grand Inquisitor, who is fascinating, actually, in his first couple episodes as a leader and as him butting heads with Riva. And just kills him off and disappeared him for like three episodes. And that, I think, again, does a disservice to a good actor, a good performer, and a character that could be really interesting as a secondhand evader who is kind of foiling Riva's plans from behind the scenes, which would be fine. But I, I found that to be... Um, yeah, I, I really didn't like... I mean, I liked the idea. Okay, fine. You have this... Um, grand inquisitor who survived and you're bringing him back cool we're betraying riva riva is now alone more acts to grind with the inquisitors but in the end i think they 
withholding information from us as an audience in a way that really just took one of the most interesting pieces on the puzzle and just took it off the board for a little bit. And that is a very disappointing choice by the story runners of this show. It's just not earned. And that's what I meant earlier with like shortcuts and a stretch to thin and things that are there on the on the screen, but it doesn't feel it's not fleshed out. And so it's just like, yeah, where the fuck is all of this coming from? Like you don't build up to it. It's just like, oh, surprise, surprise, surprise. It honestly reminds me of the worst Star Wars movies, i.e. the prequels and episode nine in a lot of ways in terms of the writing. Yeah, in some ways it was. And I think that, uh, I mean, the last bit of this that is episode 90 in my mind was the Riva reveal in her background. We kind of telegraphed it or they telegraphed it by showing us Riva in the first scene of the first episode of this entire show. And I liked the idea. So I guess it's better than episode nine in the sense that I liked the idea of having Riva be a Padawan who survived Order 66 and has this internal grind, axe to grind against Vader and is secretly hunting him. But, but, a big but, she's just like, she's killing all of these people and going on a murderous rampage and has this super, super like evil disposition and all of this just so that she can get back at Vader is just such a weird choice. But that's one issue. I think the bigger issue is the fact that they thought that they could just hide this information from us as an audience and not but not really hide it and then in the end show it to us in a way that was just a kind of a an underwhelming flashback. This is something that they should have revealed in the last episode or the, the episode before that where we have this kind of understanding of trauma at least or this her her explaining a little bit this emotional um issues or baggage that underpins her as a character and then you kind of maybe can reveal some of these things with the details but it's i found the execution of reva's twist and reveal quite disappointing the the scene in which it happened i i love the obi-wan reva scene at the door i think that's amazing that's one of the highs for me for sure but in terms of reva who is could or had the potential to be one of the better Star Wars villains that we've seen, especially on the television shows, is is just another disappointment. And that's really just sad for me to say. Yeah, it's just executed very poorly, not earned again. And, you know, if the if this was done well, we would be all about like philosophical debates of okay now if she's if she wants revenge, that means she's more on the Sith side, and what does that mean and everything. But just because it was done so poorly, we're just like okay, this has no impact. We were not surprised. Vader obviously wasn't surprised, which was fine. But it's just. I don't know. Yeah, they. I think a lot of the things are just, they didn't exact, they had an idea, but didn't really know how to get there. And I feel like that's kind of a problem of this show with a lot of things anyway, and, and you know, other shows as well. And that's kind of a shame. But I mean, okay. Okay. 
we've shat on this episode now for almost 30 minutes and i think that <laughs> there is not a bad episode it's not a bad episode it, it's a confusing episode a confounding episode for me but there are definitely things that i really liked and I, from the way that you mentioned i think that there are things that you like as well yes um and I don't know where you want to start with that. I have a few things that I, I really like. So I guess I'll let you... I took a, I led with the things that I don't like. You can lead with the things that you like. So you can be the positive one today. Go ahead. <laughs> wow, this is like a cha total change of our roles. Um, yeah, I really... Again, I, I really loved the intercutting with the duel from 13 years ago between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um Especially, you know, it was always very pointed towards what was happening in the present of the show. With like, oh, Obi-Wan is not going to do this because X. Uh, and uh, Vader is not going to do this because secretly Y. And I thought that that was really well done. It was, it was I don't know, it was also true to the characters that we've seen in both the prequels. But especially in the clone wars and how their dynamic is there is like depicted there uh, so I, I really like that and you know it, it kind of it kind of goes back to the original star wars movie where you know they meet and vader says that you know last time we we encountered each other you were the master and i was the apprentice and even still like Vader here is much more powerful than than Obi-Wan is in terms of the force and uh you know fighting with the lightsaber but but Obi-Wan is just smarter and he has a has a bigger overview of things and the whole philosophical debate about Anakin needs to win so he becomes impatient and that's kind of what what is his downfall in 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 the end is just really well done um i don't know do, do you want me to keep on going or do you want to say something about that and we just go point by point no i love that i found it amazing there's this intertwining of the flashback with what's going on in real life and how that informs their strategy and how they work together and also side note great potential for how the prequels could have been Yes. With actual character development and showing things about these characters that actually resonate with even the original trilogy and how what we know about the characters back then. So it definitely a strength of this episode. I got super excited when I saw this episode open with Anakin looking over at the residences or whatever in Coruscant. And although it is set in a time period where Anakin is at his brooding <laughs> his broodiest nature i guess this is i think but i believe it's set right before or s slightly before the uh, star wars episode 2 attack of the clones mm -hmm. so i think it's just like it's really i really enjoyed it i liked how they combined character development with really fun um star wars the lightsaber duels and how that as it was cut into the episode it mirrored or showed us a lot about what we wanted as the characters or what we want as the characters and how they operate. And it, it just, it did a great job. And it's an alternative to a show that could have been a lot more interesting if they had done it differently. So I liked it. I liked it. Very big what did positive. you think of uh, Hayden Christensen? 
fine. I mean, like, there's a lot of right now talk about how the de-aging process was actually terrible or whatever. He looked like a 40-year-old man, but he is a 40-year-old man. <laughs> and honestly, I don't care. Like, we know based on how he looks and what he does look like, like and his outfit and everything, that he is an old, that he is, like, a Padawan. We know the timeline, and that's what matters most to me. I, I don't mind him too much. Did it distract you? No, I thought, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. And also, I mean, <laughs> this is a show where people wield the force and use lightsabers. So, you know, you already have, you know, people say like, okay, I believe this, but I don't, I can't uh, suspend my disbelief and imagine Hayden Christensen or rather Anakin being younger than he is portrayed here. That that would be ludicrous to me. Um and I don't know, I, I liked it at first. I think the very first line that he says was actually delivered. That's probably the best Hayden Christensen line delivery ever. Um, uh, <laughs> the rest kind of falls flat, but still better than the prequels. Um, so that was fine. And I, I like the, uh, I don't know, I think in terms of just, he just incorporates Anakin, obviously, and I don't know his his like facial features was like way better than it was in the in the prequels and I don't know I really liked it. Yeah, huge positive for the flashback. We love it or yeah, yeah I guess both of us love it. Absolutely. Uh, I also I have to mention him speaking I guess more so in the present day but also he appears in the flashback but Ewan McGregor's acting is so on point. Yeah. Still it's just He's so good in all of the sequences that he appears in. And I think he's at his best playing the, oh, I'm worried, old man. Like something weird is going on. Something Mm. is amiss in the force. And it is the same role that he played when he was an old, you know, when Alan, uh, like Alec Guinness was playing him in, in Star Wars A New Hope. And all these it's a great through line that shows that he knows how to embody the character and his ability to maintain those same beats and notes from the original star wars so i find it fascinating and i think it's one of the best things of this show start to finish yeah absolutely i also really loved when um the path people were you know realized that something was going wrong and the leadership kind of was panicking okay what do we do what do we do and obi-wan being the general that he once was immediately takes charge and knows what to do and that was i thought that was a really nice touch kind of hearkening back to the clone wars days exactly and i think it felt a little short to me just because i well i wanted a more motivational speech but eh, we know how motivational speeches work in star wars (laughs) <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's not the greatest. At least it wasn't a political speech, you know. Could have yeah, been way worse. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine. But I, I, I like how he just he slipped that roll back on like a glove. It was perfect yeah. for him, and uh, and especially because like I think we're, I think one of the problems with them establishing the path is that we don't really we know how they're like a really small organization like a ragtag group of rebels or whatever but we don't necessarily it's really bad for them to do that because it we immediately will equate them with the rebellion or the resistance or, or an organization and i think that they needed to put more work into showing how small and how disorganized and how 
kind of unprepared they are for any conflict because the way that they showed them to us with like Hajestri on one on one planet, knowing about Tal on another planet, and all this like underground railroad typey infrastructure, it made them seem, at least when we first saw them, quite robust. But we're slowly learning that they're not that robust, but they didn't really establish that to us. We're kind of learning half-assed in a way. But either way, no matter what the group is, no matter who the people are, Obi-Wan's going to take charge and he should take charge. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's almost like, you know, we get we see the people who were just a little less bad at it and all the others that were worse just got killed, probably. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, or just they got lucky. Honestly, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, you mentioned before the uh, the, uh, the kind of negotiation between Obi Wan and Reva. I liked the idea of it, the way of it was done. It was also well done, I think, except for the whole like quote unquote reveal, like okay, Reva wants to kill Vader, and that was like okay. As we mentioned before, the impact wasn't as big, but I still thought that that was a great idea. Especially kind of Obi Wan figuring it out. Um, we've talked about Tala uh, and the droid. Oh, hold on, on the door scene. Sorry, sure, sure. you gotta go. You gotta let me. Gotta, gotta let me cook, Chris. <laughs> so the the door scene, as you mentioned, the most phenomenal aspect is two things. One, the performance of the mirroring of both Riva and Obi Wan. Great, absolutely great. This emotional resonance and Obi Wan dealing with the tragedy of the order of order 66 and someone saying out loud to obi-wan that'd be like yo you fucked up yeah, you weren't were there you, what did you do sort of thing. exactly yeah, her questioning him and it's just such a good you know this 180 everything coming back to obi-wan and all of his guilt and his you can see it on his face in the way that he's dealing with this and while the reveal was meh this not a how it's shot between their kind of mirroring these two images mm-hmm. of Moses Ingram and um, Ewan McGregor, how it's performed by the two actors, phenomenal work. And the ideas of reliving the trauma or the PTSD of, because Obi-Wan believes in his heart of heart that he did all he could, but he, and he failed and he couldn't, he couldn't succeed. But for those people in the Jedi temple who were massacred by Anakin and betrayed by Anakin's by Obi-Wan's Padawan put the guilt onto him and it's his responsibility so much so and that he failed and he was he was completely absent because he was off world and this it's just a really really nice way for Riva to kind of connect to Obi-Wan and really I guess it enhances because her hatred for him, because I don't think her hatred for him is completely ingenuine or it was only to get to Vader. I think she really held a, held him responsible for in a lot of ways in the same way that um, we hold a lot of people responsible. Like if we, you know, we create the monsters in our universe, we create those, who, those evil villains who end up doing terrible things because of certain circumstances or whatever it may be. And it's a great, it's, I just love that she calls him out for it and obi-wan is is really having to deal with it and i think that sets the tone for his guilt and his sadness that kind of reemerges in this episode as a through line because it seemed that we got away from that in a little bit a little bit previously in previous episodes or at least in episode four yeah and then we get to the um 
the sacrifice by Tala and the droid um, kind of yeah as, as you mentioned before it's kind of sad to see Tala die already especially because she was the most interesting new character um, I would have loved her to live on and maybe become one of the founders of the rebellion or whatever um, and yeah it was kind of uh, the idea of it was fine the execution not so much but i don't know just shout out um to the actress and uh i, I didn't know uh, i didn't look up any names because i didn't want to get spoiled so and I, I know i know i've seen her in many other things so i feel bad i and i remembered it five minutes ago but now i, I my mind is blank but just like great great job Oh, totally muted. So sorry. We're <laughs> <laughs> so good at this. Well, the thing is, when I'm looking at another screen or something, or another like tab, and I don't see my yeah. little mic thing going, and I'm talking to you, it, it, it's whatever. yeah. You're, you're just looking up her name, so you could be like, yeah, I know her name. <laughs> no, I was gonna say I looked it up for you, um, just because okay, I know you nice. can't look it up for spoilers. But before <laughs> I, before I, I, you know, shout out, um, I guess I, whatever. Before I shout out Indira Varma, I want to talk about um, Ned B. Great sacrifice. Love Ned B. Yes. Um, he's MVP of of the league, and I'm so sad that he ended up dying with uh, with Tala. And I, I I don't really honestly like the decision to kill off Tala. I mean, I guess it is a penultimate episode. I think the series has just gone so fast that we kind of forget that we already have to see the sacrifices that we normally see at the end of seasons. Mm. But she's the one character that's interesting to us that we don't know her fate. And we need to kind of get a little bit more question or drama or something to kind of keep us going in terms of what is going to happen to these characters. And having an, a, a nice or in an interesting end to her character arc where she gets more than just two episodes of or three episodes of run, you know, I guess it's fine if you think about shows in terms of thirds or and I, and I guess this is only a six episode season. So she got she was in for half of it. But I think having her all along a little bit longer would have given us a little bit more interesting direction for the show. But, you know, yeah. it is what it I is. Would, I would have liked her to return Leia home and stay with her, maybe when uh, Obi-Wan has to hurry back to Tatooine to protect Luke. That's a great that's a great idea. I love that idea. Yes, 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 anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything but this. Yeah. Um but yeah, let's talk about Vader versus Riva. Oh my fucking god. Yes. <laughs> I will never forget that battle sequence. It was so good. Yeah. It is just it has the ferocity of the uh Rogue One Vader. Just that in his prime he can just do whatever he wants. He's just toying with her, just like using the force and do like dodging all of her attacks. It's just like she has no chance at all. And it's so in impressive. And his force powers are incredibly strong. And, you know, obviously the dual wielding, rotating Inquisitor blades was a nice touch. And then, you know him using the force to slow them down and it's just so powerful um you know and then even doing the super cocky thing of just like you have i, I will give you a, uh, a lightsaber now so we can duel and i can defeat you again 
It's so insulting. He like he whoops her ass without even lighting his own lightsaber, and that's mm. freaking insane. And like when he like takes her lightsaber from her, splits it in half, throws it in the dirt, makes her pick it up and grovel for it. As yeah, it's like oh, so good. I loved that sequence and that battle sequence. I wish want more of Vader just whooping people's ass. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Like I I I did like that. There was another parallel to the past with Vader, you know, injuring Reva as he did uh, when she was a youngling. But still, I would have just made sure she died this and just beheaded her. But I guess that's just me. That made um, no sense to me. Yeah. It's freaking Darth Vader. He would chop her up into pieces and destroy exactly. her not just like stab her once and leave her to die like that does makes no sense mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of all people should know that people who are left for dead can definitely survive exactly this is becoming a little annoying yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah for plot reasons i guess because reva's just gonna make a triumphant return on Tatooine you know whatever and save like help obi-wan against vader or whatever is going to happen next episode um so that was a little bit uh unfortunate but i mean the fight itself is as you said so memorable it's just such a bad ass i love vader i mean we haven't done this but this would definitely like rank quite highly on the on the you know best star wars lightsaber battle duels like this would be it's a really good duel and just like from the beginning to the end it's phenomenal and i just like i want to see more of vader and more Mm. and honestly like more lightsaber duels in this in this sequence in this whole show we don't get that much which Mm -hmm. i guess is fine like even some of the best star wars stuff we don't get much of the lightsabers but you know in a show that's going to focus a lot on obi-wan and vader give me more please i guess we will next time Let's hope. This episode really made me worry for the season finale. (laughs) And I think this is the first time I'm actually worried when watching this show because the first three episodes were so good. The fourth episode was just like a moving pieces episode. It wasn't great, but meh. But it didn't really have any consequences for the future. But with the way that this episode ended, with the twists, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, going back to Tatooine, I'm just like, I'm a little bit nervous for this finale. How about you? Yeah, I am too. I mean, as I said, as I said earlier, I just hope they don't screw it up. Um, I really hope Leia doesn't go to Tatooine. That would that would make no sense. Bad. Yeah, and I, I kind of hope that, um, you know, I, I don't know how Ve- how, how Vader is going to fit into things, but uh, he will eventually show up on Tatooine. I would love it if Obi Wan wasn't there. But at least not yet, because he's dropping off Leia on Alderaan, and so Reva has to protect Luke from from Vader, and then eventually she sacrifices herself just in time to Obi for Obi Wan to show up or something like that. That would be great. But I don't know. My expectation is just let's just like tie a neat bow onto this and uh, give this show an ending it deserves in a good way. Yeah, and there's still, like, they still have to bring up Qui-Gon again. Like, something's going to happen mm-hmm. there. Like, it's just, there's a lot to do. And Maybe that's how it ends. You know, maybe when all the battles are fought, uh, Obi-Wan just goes back to his cave on Tatooine 
and starts meditating and we just hear Qui-Gon on, on on a black screen or something. We might. That's maybe what they maybe they just couldn't get Liam Neeson for this show. It's just yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh I'm excited, I guess, for what's going on. I'm a little nervous. Um at this point it's coming out in a few days, so um I guess we'll see what happens. So tune in next time to Serial Hooked Star Wars. And if you like the show and you want to support the show, Chris, what can the listeners do to do that? Uh, give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else, so that other people can find the show more easily. Why do you think the standard has become five stars for everything? Why five? I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think it's probably because... Uh, I mean, technically, it is it is mostly a 10 thing because we have like four and a half, three and a half, et cetera. Um, it's probably just because we have five fingers. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your, your, your point of making it, yeah, 10. I mean, we have 10 fingers, but we have five fingers on each hand. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just to be clear. And if you um, want to reach in contact or get in contact, how can the listeners do that, Chris? Yeah, if you want to tell me how many fingers uh, you have or just human beings in general have and correct me, go to serialhook.com where you can find all of our contact information. Is that it? I think that's it. Cool. Talk to you next time. Bye.